1: to the Lord close your eyes and sing it to Jesus unless your heart is not hard and your eyes are not dry and your prayers are not cold and your faith is not old otherwise that just about means all of us doesn't it my eyes are dry my eyes are dry faith is old My faith is old, heart is hard, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold, my prayers are cold, and I know how, and I know how, I ought to be, I ought to be alive to you, alive to you, dead to me. him, the Lord says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you, cleanse your hands you sinners, purify your hearts you double minded, mourn, weep, be miserable, let your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy into gloom, pour the anointing of God out upon all of us God, so that we can be a pleasing people. Oh, oh, oh. today, Jesus. And God, my heart's so wicked, Lord. Would God work despite me, Lord, despite all of us work. Send your spirit despite our wickedness, God. We we cry out for your Holy Spirit to fall upon us, God. Everybody in this place that feels that God has been speaking specifically about them, raise your hand up. Specifically about them. Be honest. Glory to God. As we sing this next song together, I'd like those people to open the curtains so we have more room down here, please. I'd like those of you that feel you need to come and commit your life to Jesus as Lord, possibly for the first time in your life. Those of you who have not been living a right life before God. You've had bitterness in your heart. You've had sin on your hands. And God wants you to come to the fountain and wash it clean. And true repentance, true faith, and true holiness. Come to a holy God and become a holy God.
0: That piece of music was written by Keith Green. Keith Green, some years back, was a very powerful young revivalist and musician. He went to Oral Roberts University, and he held a meeting. And the power of God began to move in that congregation of students. And some of the students began to come forward and confess their sin, they began to confess homosexuality and other sin. And immediately, Oral Roberts shut down the whole meeting. Keith Green had an honest heart to go after, after the Lord Jesus Christ, to bring revival to America. But everywhere he went, he was shut down. They just wanted pretty music. And the way Keith responded was not right. His heart became increasingly angry and bitter, and he began to strike out against the church in anger, in bitterness. My pastor, the late David Wilkerson, tried to confront him on this issue and say, no, don't be angry. Go deeper into the Holy Spirit. Keith was not able to, and shortly after that, his life was taken at a very young age. I understand this issue of revival has been talked about a lot in America and the American church particularly among Pentecostals, assemblies of God, charismatic. Not so much among Baptist or Presbyterian or Lutheran. I grew up in a holiness church. My father was born in 1901, he was raised in a godly conservative family, a ranch family. And Grandpa Greenlee died when my dad was 19. He died of typhoid typhoid fever. Dad went out then as a cowboy and worked. But he was a good Methodist. But the time came in his life when the Methodist Church was becoming so legalistic and orthodox that he left the Methodist Church and joined a holiness church that was being filled with the Spirit of God, with healing and and miracles occurring. I used to talk with my dad about his experiences of the Holy Spirit coming. And I would say to him, Daddy, Daddy, Where's the Holy Spirit today? Oh, he answered, Raymond, the Holy Spirit is still ready to come, but we have to meet the conditions. And today people don't want to meet those conditions. And then as I became a pastor, I would go home and tell my dad about the meetings. A big banner across the stage, A New Day in Jesus. And my father would say, Raymond, don't believe it. It's not true. There's not a new day in Jesus until the Holy Spirit comes. And he's been grieved from the church. Well, I didn't understand all those things then. I'm beginning to now, as I look back, I'm beginning to understand What's happened to us? It's not pretty. The church in America wants to have, at least in parts, a return of Holy Spirit presence and power. I've been seeking the Holy Spirit my entire ministry. Basically, I didn't know what the requirements were. And then when I discovered what the requirements were, I said, how can that be true? How can those be the requirements? Now I know what the requirements are. There's just one requirement for revival in the American church and that one requirement is honest full-hearted repentance. You can't walk in the exercising of faith and still have the old carnal nature living in you. Now the flesh can put on a, a real good show. And I've watched as the healing ministry of the turn of the century with Catherine Coolman and Rex Humbard and I could name a bunch of others. They all crashed and burned because they did not do the serious work of honest repentance to the bottom. They became proud. They turned back to their alcohol or to their illicit sexual affairs, to their love for money and power and prestige. And God finally just took away every part of the Holy Spirit's power from the church. So here we are. 2022, and the church in America is dead. And what's it going to take if that's going to change? Well, here's the problem, and I'm going to be dealing with this in very specific ways in the days to come on this radio broadcast. Here's the problem. The problem is that the church has chosen to believe certain false theology that has essentially vaccinated the Christian of America against revival. Against repentance. Instead, false teachers on every hand, popular, well-loved, well-respected teachers, and they're teaching a false gospel. That means that until that can be broken through, until that false teaching can be removed from our hearts, we will not repent, because the very need to repent has been destroyed by this false theology. This is causing my heart great sadness, great sorrow. And so what I have decided to do is push through with prayer and fasting and waiting on the Lord waiting on the Lord to break out in power to destroy this false teacher and false teaching that has vaccinated God's people against righteousness, real righteousness, righteousness that dwells in the heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, For they shall see God. Without a pure heart, you cannot see God. This is not imputed righteousness. This is real, down-to-earth, imparted, infused righteousness that totally regenerates a man and a woman, a boy or a girl, and makes them into new creatures. We won't turn and repent until we understand our true condition before a holy and righteous God. Until we understand how we stand before God and the danger we're in. America is facing great judgment. I listen to different prophetic voices just to hear what they're saying. They're saying something different than I'm hearing. And I'm not a prophet. I'm a watchman. But I read the scriptures. And I see that God will judge wickedness. That there is no easy avenue into the kingdom of God. It is crucifixion. It is death to self and to the old man. It is repentance. It is turning aside. It's saying, I must have a change. Now I'm going to walk with you in the coming days through the book of Romans. The Lord very specifically told me to preach on this broadcast, Romans, the sixth chapter. And we will get there, and we will go to the very bottom of that sixth chapter. But before we do, we need to set a base of understanding. Now, part of what I need to say to you, please the power of God is as readily available now as it was at Pentecost. The Lord is as willing to give the Holy Spirit now as he was at Pentecost. Now we've come up with all kinds of false ideas to justify why we have not yet received that powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. I know why I have not received that anointing yet. And I'm not seeking the anointing of the Holy Spirit now. I am seeking Jesus. I'm not seeking the hand of Jesus. I'm seeking Jesus. And part of what I've had to face out of my own heart and my own life is that I'm still so much a product of my culture and my church that there are areas of my heart and my life that I've not gone very deeply into Jesus on. And he's asking me to do that. So for me, it's a great deal more time spent in fasting and prayer and scripture. It's turning aside from the news, from the internet. It's turning aside from many things that we would all say are good. Remember, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the good of the tree of knowledge will take you to hell as quickly as the evil will take you to hell. Every one of us has been called for only one purpose, and that is to enter into Jesus Christ and to become servants of his. You were not called here to get a college degree unless you are ordered to do so by the Holy Spirit You were not called here to get a good-paying job. You were not called here to have a wonderful social life, to buy that new house or to buy that new car. That's not why you're here. Now, all of us have, have walked in our culture to some degree. I have also walked in that culture and I'm having to repent and cut it off and no longer walk in it. You cannot grow out of sin. Jesus only gave us amputation as a way to deal with sin. You cannot grow out of your lust for the video game or the movies. You cannot grow your way out of the lust for unclean sexual activity. You can't grow your way out of that. You have to amputate it. It has to be cut off. So I'm going to begin in Romans, the first chapter, Paul, who is a servant of Jesus Christ, was called to be an apostle and he was set apart for the gospel of God. Do you understand? Every Christian who is a true Christian has been set apart for the gospel of God. If you're not active in building the kingdom of God, You are walking in sin, and you will not experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not a new gospel. It's one he promised in the Old Testament through his prophets. I want to read for you what he says, beginning in verse 5. Through him and for his namesake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Literally, that word obedience means two Greek words, hypo, meaning under, and to hear, literally to come under hearing. So obedience, in this instance, obedience is coming in submission to what you have heard. If you're going to obey the word that I'm going to speak to you today and in the coming days, if you'll walk with me, you will experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I know that. The Lord has told me that. But as you hear, you're going to have to step into obedience to the word. To the word, repent. Now in verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power, the dunamis, the dynamite of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So Paul's saying, look, I'm going to share with you the gospel of Jesus, and I'm going to share that with you by walking through the book of Romans. For in this gospel, a righteousness or an innocence from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, here's the first part of the problem that we have to look at. The translators of the NIV have a predisposition to a lie. This righteousness that is revealed from God is regenerative. What do I mean? It will restore you to Christ's image. It will restore you to the image of Jesus Christ in righteousness and in holiness. And you will be transformed into a new person. And in that new person, you are then eligible to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because that's when the power of God comes and dwells in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now we're going to find through this book of Romans, that the lie that we have been taught in the American church is that righteousness is not restorative. That righteousness does not make you into a new man, but instead, it gives to you the gift of salvation in your unrighteousness. So that when As the lie goes, when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees himself. I'm going to show you as we walk through this book that that is a lie from the pit of hell. Jonathan Edwards, that great Puritan reformed preacher... He said that if you continue to walk in sin, you are not saved. You're lost, and you never have been saved. George Whitfield, another Reformed preacher, a great revivalist, taught the same thing. John Wesley, a holiness preacher, he taught the same thing. We need to look honestly at the question. Is the blood of Jesus Christ able to make us righteous? Now, the answer is yes. But the demonstrated answer is no. Because many of you are still caught in your movies, in your social relationships, You're still caught in ambition and the love of money. You're still caught trying to live out your bucket list of all the wonderful places you want to go and things you want to do and cruises you want to take, and it's an on-and-on list. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ, or are you not a follower of Jesus Christ? If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you must take up your cross and you must follow Jesus. You leave behind the American dream culture. It's no longer what your heart is hungry for. You're not thinking about that new truck or that new car. Jesus will tell you when he wants you to do something. But when you don't repent, all you have to operate on is your own human wisdom. And I am greatly grieved in my heart that so many times I've simply walked in my own human wisdom, reaching out to take what I thought I had to have and what I needed because the Holy Spirit's presence was not there to give me instruction. Why? Because I had not waited upon him. I had not fasted and prayed. That's no longer the case in my life. I now am utterly given over to Jesus. I'm not going to walk in the Western American culture and live the good life of America. That good life is just about to end totally and completely in amazing judgment as the Lord utterly crushes the economy of America. You're going to lose your 401ks. You're going to lose your retirements. You're going to lose just about everything. When this reset happens, it will be brutal. And it will happen in one hour. You will not have time to prepare Now is the time to prepare. Now is the time to get right with Jesus. Now is the time to understand the desperate need you have to repent, to examine your life, and to say, Jesus, where have I not pleased you? Where am I still burdened down with the American life? With the responsibilities that I took on when I should not have taken them on. You know, I can't express this well enough. The Holy Spirit is so powerful, Jesus' word is so powerful. He created the universe. He created the earth. Nothing is too hard for Jesus. Why does it seem that it is? Because Jesus will not move in our behalf as long as we're still not walking in total repentance before him until we've given up all of the foolishness until our lifestyle radically changes. And we love to spend our time not watching the television and not watching the movies and not watching the the video games and not seeking Jesus and listening to him and obeying him. He told me, wait upon me, Ray. Ray. Wait upon the Lord, he said. I'm waiting on the Lord. He said, rest in me, Ray. Ray, rest in me. I'm resting in the Lord. (laughs) I know revival will come to America. But I know that before it comes... There's a great deal that has to be changed. And it's going to be a very painful process. In verse 18, he says, For God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, those holding down the truth in unrighteousness. Let's break that down. Wrath destruction, judgment. God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. What is ungodliness? Everything that is opposed to who God is, everything that stands opposed to his righteousness, everything that stands for what the powers and presence of darkness desire, the lust of man's heart, the natural man. And unrighteousness of men. That is the guilt of men. Those holding down the truth in unrighteousness. You need to understand this. The lying theology of the American church that you do not have to repent, that you're always going to be a sinner that you can never gain the full victory in Jesus Christ, that the old nature cannot be destroyed, but you're going to have to fight with it all the rest of your life. Those teachings hold down the truth in unrighteousness, and God's wrath is about to be totally revealed against the church because of that holding down of his truth of total redemption By the blood of Jesus. See, the blood of Jesus is not the blood of bulls and goats. In the Old Covenant, the blood of bulls and goats were shed, and the sin was declared covered. But in the New Testament, sins are not covered. They're removed, aphemy. The word forgive is the actual word in the Greek, aphemy, which means to be removed from. I'm terrified for the church today because I recognize the church has for now for many years been holding down the truth of being made whole by the blood of Jesus and they've taught a lie. And because of that, countless numbers of people live in Laodicea Blind, naked, miserable, wretched, and poor, and don't even know it. Why don't we know it? We don't know it because the teaching has changed. And so everyone feels very comfortable about, Jesus loves me. This I know, Jesus loves me. And we talk about Jesus loving us all the time. You know what? I love to talk about the love of God. But I want to tell you that the love of God will not cover your sin. He either will remove your sin or cast you into hell. The love of God will not remove your sin. Only the shed blood of Jesus Christ can remove your sin. And if you don't allow that blood to accomplish its purpose, if you belittle the blood of Jesus and call it no better than the blood of bulls and goats so that your sin is just covered but not removed, then you're holding down the truth in unrighteousness. And the majority of pastors in America today are guilty of doing this. Then he goes into totally exposing the human heart. And he talks about, let me read it. Having known God, they glorified him not as God, nor thanked him, but were made vain in their reasonings, and their senseless hearts were darkened Professing to be wise, they were made fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God with the likeness and the image of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and reptiles. Some of you are worshiping your four-footed beast, your dog, your cat. Some of you... Let's be honest. Some of you worship men and women. But this is what happens after a while. For this reason, God handed them over in the lust of their hearts to moral uncleanness, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. I've watched with horror as more and more young people are adopting the yang and yang of Chinese philosophy, as they're adopting the witchcraft, as they're adopting the worship of nature, the worship of animals, the worship of men. And I see that because we're doing that, God is utterly handing us over as a nation who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the one having created. Because of this, God handed over to uncontrollable sexual passions of dishonor for even their women exchanged the natural sex use into, into that which is contrary to nature. And in like manner also the men having left the natural sexual, sexual use of the female, they were burning out with their rage their sexual cravings for one another, men with men, working shameless, receiving back in themselves the perversion, which was due their deception. As they did not approve to have God and true knowledge, God handed them over to a reprobate mind to do things that ought not to be done. Some of you today call yourself a Christian, but you're living with someone you're not married to. You're shacked up with somebody. God is giving you over to a reprobate mind. How can you be saved when you walk in sin? You can't be. Let me say that again. How can you be saved when you walk in sin? You're either saved from sin or you're cast down into hell with sin. You can't be saved and walk in your sin. Now, chapter 2, he totally takes apart the Jewish people and shows that they too are walking in utter wickedness before God. And then in chapter 3, he finally turns to the Gentile Yea, he turns to the human heart. Now, if you don't understand what I'm going to share with you, you will never feel the need to repent. I'm going to read this. Romans, the third chapter. I'll begin in verse 10. Just as it stands written, There is not a righteous man, not even one. There is no one understanding. There is no one seeking God. Every conceivable man turned away. Together they became morally depraved. There is no one doing what is right. There is not so much as one. Some of you, as you hear this, you're going to say, but but pastor, that doesn't accurately describe me. It doesn't describe all the pagan people that I know. the restraining power of the Holy Spirit prevents a man from rushing so fast into perdition that he has no possibility of salvation. but I want to tell you this descriptor in romans three eleven through eighteen is an accurate description of every human person. And it's only the restraining power of the Holy Spirit that gives us any opportunity to know Jesus Christ. But we have to come to a point where we acknowledge and recognize that there is nothing good in myself. Some of you have the mistaken idea that all you need to do is exercise great strength in discipline for self-improvement. And so many churches will teach strategies for success, how you can become prosperous, how you can win, how you can influence people. All of this is utter foolishness. It is trying to dress up the human flesh and deceive ourselves into thinking we don't really need to repent. We're really not that bad. We're worse than that. The human heart is totally devoid of any righteousness. It is simply Genesis 3.15 that talks about what Christ would give us this small open window where we would be able to hear the voice of Jesus and respond and repent if we choose to. We need to let go of all the foolishness of thinking that this human flesh can be dressed up. It's only good for one thing, and that is to be crucified. But many of you today have done something similar to what I've done in my past, and that is claim Jesus Christ, walk with one foot in Jesus and one foot in the world. One foot in Jesus and one foot in the world. It doesn't work. There is only... One requirement for dramatic, life changing revival in America. And that is repentance. Repentance. Well, we're going to go further with this. We're out of time today. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm glad you've been with me today. This is not light stuff, but we're going to dive in again tomorrow and we're going to move toward and work our way through verse by verse. I'd love to hear from you. Are you still half pagan and half Christian? Are you still playing with things of darkness? I know Christians who are still playing with video games, violent video games. Christians so-called who are shacked up with somebody they're not married to. Christians who are filled with bitterness and anger and rage. There has to be a total change. Self has to be crucified. So please... I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear a testimony of what the Holy Spirit is doing as you fast and pray. And if you're not fasting, you're not going to make it. You need to fast. I don't, I'm not saying how you fast or what you fast, but you have to fast. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That address again, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online as we now, in this new month, begin to invite you to share in the expense of the radio. This is one of the longest broadcast months, and so the cost is very high. I want to thank those of you who've already begun, and I treasure every one of you. I love you. Thank you for walking with me. So go to nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. This video will be up later today, and you'll be able to watch again and listen again. I pray it was helpful to you. Lord, I come with my brothers and my sisters, and I ask that your Holy Spirit would come in great power. I know, Lord Jesus, that your desire is that we totally turn aside from the wickedness of this world, that we get serious with you, that we turn off the entertainment, that we begin to reach out with compassion and love one to another and serve one another to reach out in ways that are unexpected and sacrificial, to express love one for another. For I know that the law is totally fulfilled, as John Wesley said, in love. But it's not cheap love, Lord. So I ask that you would bring Holy Spirit conviction and that as we go down this path and we examine the way into repentance, that you would lead us, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us about Jesus, that you would show us who Jesus is and how to walk with him. Lord, I praise your name. I worship you. Lord, thank you for your kindness and your mercy. I lift up my hands in praise and worship and honor to you, Jesus. Thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'd love to hear from you. I'll talk to you soon. Able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless Before the presence of His glory